This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. In episode 8, Matthew continues to make his vinyl record collection great again. Joe and Matthew rediscover the Rolling Stones Goat's Head Soup, unpack bad song lyrics, and discuss the state of contemporary art curation. Now, here are Joe Camusa and Matthew White. Oh, dog-eared corners. I did. Oh, it's a commitment. I know, but, but like I'm actually it, using it, the book. It had some water damage. So yeah, I already had water damage, but I've been reading it, and then I even thought about marking in it. Oh, I usually write in my books. But the dog-eared corners... I don't do that anymore. Really? I that in elementary school. Yeah, really? it defaces the page. It does. It does deface the page. I uh, was going to use sticky notes. Get on. Get well, on. I mean, we're giving... We always give right. away a lot of... Good content. Content. Just <laughs> cutting room floor content. A couple of episodes back, we looked into the wood glue solution. We discussed that. And I posted some... I posted some images. I forget what episode that was. It was two episodes ago. Six. Episode six. And posted some images from a wood glue experiment. And you're right. It's too messy. That's expensive, too. Yeah. Yeah. You got to use a lot of glue. You got to use a lot of glue. So cleaning your records with wood glue is not the most efficient. It's effective. But it's not... It's uh, time-consuming, it's messy, and you asked me about the spin clean, and I have some updates for you on the spin clean. I'm all ears. And in fact, you had a friend who was ordering a spin clean, right? Yes. I'm still trying to, I'm praying somebody I know gets the, the nitty-gritty $400 machine, and then I'll pay to use it. Right. But it, I know I'm going to have to do it someday. Yeah. Unless you enlighten me now with you found the holy grail of record cleaning. So the spin clean is very effective. You essentially have a tub, you put the distilled water in it, you put the solution in it, and you have two pads, uh-huh. and you rotate the record through this manually. manually. And you do, I think it says three rotations clockwise, three rotations counterclockwise. Okay. And then you dry it with the cloth that they provide. I was told, or I read, that you can't use the spin clean for 180 gram vinyl or higher because the pads are too tight. That is not true. Okay. And the people at spin clean responded to my tweet asking, is it possible? They said, no problem. And I did, I actually put, I put some pretty heavy vinyl through there Mm -hmm. and it cleaned it nicely. Yeah, so I don't know what the guy that's posting about the spin clean saying that it's scratching and causing squirrels on his on his records. I don't know what that's about. It's very effective, and I can tell you when you dump the water from like some old gross records, it is it's pretty nasty. The stuff that's in those okay. crews. And how about the uh, the um, the labels? Those stay dry. I must admit that I've had a couple of drops of water on the labels. I mean, is it causing buckling or is it? No. Just, okay, so no, I didn't. they get a little it, damp. I wipe off and it's fine. I have had no damage. Okay. So the spin clean review, I would give it thumbs up. Yeah. Are yeah. You, are you uh, making your own solution or are you falling for the uh, 
the the recurring revenue model. Yes. I'm totally fine with it. I use their solution. Okay. So, and then the the cloth, is that something that they sell you or you're just using? It comes with the kit. When you buy the spin clean kit, you get the cloths, you get everything in one. So how do you clean the cloths? You just put them in the washer. And then like with the soap and all that from a wash, that doesn't? That, no. Oh, wow, this is just. And they, and they say dry them and fluff them real good. And then and okay. it affects the absorbency. I gotta do so. And you're saying then you'll take a I like it. that maybe had some pops. You know, I'm not talking scratches and uh, or skips. But if it's got pops, you throw it in the spin clean. I yes. And they're gone. Yes. That's okay. Yes, I can tell the difference. So I need to take a sabbatical. And spend the rest next year cleaning my <laughs> records. How many records do you have? I don't know. I don't count. Um, I have a whole bookcase. I don't know what is it. I'm trying to think how wide. Like four shelves of at least probably forty inches long. I've got some vinyl. I mean, I don't have a huge collection yeah. by any stretch. Okay. I mean, people have whole rooms, but yeah, no, um, I don't. It's been cold, and yep. uh, through through larceny and through uh, changing tastes. Um, but yeah, it would take me a little while. But I stopped using that, that dishwasher, you know, the little pad. Yeah, I don't that I, thing, I think all it does is make it It moves worse. it around. So I quit that, the old D4. But uh, that's good news, because this has been, uh, it's been weighing on me. I've so, been able to sleep. Do you know this, do you know about the D4, the vintage versus the, have you read about this? No. They swear that the disc washer to get is the one with the old red velvet pad, which okay. I think is from the 70s, 80s, and that the new disc washers just aren't the same, that you've got to get the old one with the what red about pad. The, what about the fluid, though? Is the, is yeah, the, they say that's different, too, oh, the, sure the, that the fluid's not the same, that you've got to go back and get the correct vintage uh, fluid. <laughs> It's <laughs> just like some old holy holy water with a denatured alcohol in it. I I don't know what to think about all this, but I agree with you. I believe the dishwasher just moves the grime around. So you batching it? You doing like a few records at a time? So that's what. So spin clean again. Thumbs up on the spin clean. They recommend in their instructions that you you. I think they call it a record cleaning session. And you and I think you can clean ten to fifteen, ten to twenty records per oh, batch. Okay. And then same thing with the with the the drying towel, yeah. cloth, yes. pad, whatever. Yeah. And so you just run them through. Yeah. And, and then leave them out drying, like. On and a, it doesn't take long. They dry oh, really quickly. Okay. Once you go through with the with the cloth, they dry really quickly. How much does this thing cost? Roughly. Uh, about a hundred bucks. Hey, it's better than the... So the machine is just, you know, obviously it spins yeah. them for you, and then it has the vacuum. They're loud, and then it, they're big, and they look total 70s, like that like faux walnut. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, you know, the Spin Clean, they've got the yellow one. Yeah. Where you can see the dirt gathering in the... Uh... Yeah, I'd like to see that. I know, right? But in going through this whole process with the vinyl, I rediscovered Goat's Head Soup. Fine record great record and the reason I say rediscovered I've always liked it but when I was getting a replacement copy I realized that 12 by 12 album cover sitting there 
the artwork, you just miss something if you're looking at the CD or or the mm-hmm. yeah you know the MP3. You know, if you buy it online, you just you really miss something because having that album cover across the room, you get that life almost life size uh, image of Mick, and it's 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 really something. Um, weird cover though. It that, is that, a like, weird cover. Pink chiffon stretched across their faces. Mm-hmm. Apparently he uh, he didn't want that used as the image. I don't think I buy that. Well, so I did a little reading about this because I had always thought that there was an occult tie-in to Goat's Head Soup. That's what I'd always heard because you've got the <laughs> yeah okay. That's what I'd heard after. So you have Satanic Majesty's request around what sixty-seven. Yeah, this is 73, though. 70. Didn't they get that Satan shit out of their system? <laughs> I thought Goat's Head Soup was some occult reference I didn't understand. So I went back to look at, look at it. Because I never understood how there really wasn't, besides what, Dancing with Mr. D? Uh-huh. There's really no other really occult kind of reference on the, on the album. Right? right? Yeah, yeah. So did a little reading. And Goat's Head Soup is actually a reference to a Jamaican dish that includes the head of a male goat. Mm. And it's an aphrodisiac. An aphrodisiac. Mentioned in a song, a uh, reggae song, by uh, Pluto Shervington. Did you know this one? I don't know. Yeah, Ram's Goat Liver is the name of the song. But it's uh, considered uh, mannish water. Nice. Yeah, mannish water, and so it gives you the, uh, it's a kind of Viagra. <laughs> oh. So this Jamaican dish, I guess they discovered while they were recording Goat's Head Soup in Jamaica. Right. And I did not know that previously. And now I look at the record entirely differently. Not only the album cover, but with that context. I'm still, that, that's the biggest thing, you know, when you mentioned that record and I was thinking about it, because it is, a, it's a strange record to me. I, it, I've always liked it, but I think it's very sad in some places, very yeah. melancholy, and it's a weird mix of songs, which I guess Mick has said that he wanted it to be that instead of just a bunch of hard, charging rock songs. Yeah. But, um, uh, Winter's been one of my all-time favorite Stones, like, hidden kind of tracks. Yeah. And the fact that was the first song recorded on the album and it was recorded in Jamaica. I know. Changed it's just it. like, how the hell did that happen? I can't yeah. imagine being in Jamaica of all places. And trying to record that song. And it's... Because, and, I mean, that definitely sounds like they would have been holed up in London, but... See, I've always been... I've always favored side A. Yeah. And then I've flipped to B. And, um... I don't know why that is. I've always liked the songs on Side A better. But like you said, Winter, Side B, great song. Yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of very interesting sounds. I don't know if I would have, I mean, again, how arrogant. I, I had changed, but even like Mick Taylor's solo on Can You, Can you Hear the Music, that's a really odd tone. Yeah, it is, yeah. That's probably the last real Stones record, like all the way through. So that's what they say, that that's the last... Of the the golden age of the stones, Definitely. that's the that's kind of the bookend for the golden age of the stones. And you know, I did not know this until I uh, 
did a little snooping, but Waiting on a Friend was recorded around this time. That's right. So that's got Mick Taylor on it. I did not know that. I didn't I knew, realize that I mean, that they're either. famous for having songs that yep. sit around for years. Most of like Tattoo You and that's... Emotional Rescue, a lot of those songs, there's somebody that you're like, where did this come? Start Me Up was around forever. Um, again, I think the key to that record, though, uh, was their choice of Sidemen's bad. Yeah, right. But I mean, Nicky Hopkins, yeah. Billy Preston. Yes. They always had just. And the last, that was the last record produced by Jimmy Miller. Okay. That was it for him? I don't know how you could ha- possibly hang out with those guys and survive. And many did, no. and he didn't. But. But it does, it does change the way that you listen to that record when you realize <laughs> that there is no occult reference there. But it's a dark it's a, record. It is a dark think, record. It is know, a dark record. It definitely record. is like the. It was, Maybe ahead of its time, it's like, well, I mean, uh, Needle and Damage Done was already way... So it's not like that was the first record to talk about, like the harbinger right. of like the end of the 60s yeah. and the 70s. or, But, I mean, it definitely has that kind of... But don't you think, okay, so the original, the intention for the album cover was not the, the, the faces that we see now. It was, in fact, a, a full goat's head boy oh, like, looking, okay, yeah, looking which, up from the... Yeah. Which, come on, that's... That was pretty, yeah, offensive. Which is uh, was an insert, at least in my. Copy. Yes. Is it still that they? I'm sure they yes. released it. Which reminds me, bad song lyrics. Yeah. I uh, you I mentioned this to you in an earlier discussion, and the Rolling Stones are actually one of the top in my mind <laughs> worst song lyrics. Is uh, mixed emotions from Steel Wheels? There's this line. Get off the fence now. It's creasing your butt. Life is a party. Get out and strut. And every time, I love that song, and every time I hear it, it just hurts. That's, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, not, as, not as much, though, as Robert Plant's uh, line from Heaven Knows. Oh, what's that? From Now and Zen. You were pumping iron <laughs> whilst I was pumping irony. He's actually, uh, or I should say Zeppelin, uh, I could fill the rest of this podcast, I think, with bad lyrics. And, and I know a lot of them are also cribbed from uh, Howlin' Wolf and, yeah. and old blues songs. But um, Tell me, is there a reference I'm missing in either one of those? <laughs> no. no <laughs> I think no. they're just bad. But... Uh, Oh, even and then even go back to Goat's Head. I mean, Star Star. I mean, oh, that's a terrible. That's not a great one. Um, and this is family. But I was thinking, and it's funny how I kind of went back to, you know, just thinking about this mostly '70s songs. And there's certainly plenty of current uh, horrible sets of lyrics. And but you know, I still could never get over the Joker, Steve Miller. I mean, that classic line of, you know, some people call me the space cowboy, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, because I speak of the pompatus of love. Yes. I always, I always thought, did I miss that? Is it the properties of love? Pompatus. What is pompatus? That's not even a word, I don't believe. Maurice. Mar- well, and and yeah. why would Maurice That's be able to speak <laughs> on the topic of the pompatus of love? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and then I noticed this, this strain of misogyny just running through... Uh, all these 70s songs which I thought you know as much as I love Neil Young a man needs a maid 
Oh yeah, I would a that song just needs to be off the record. I and but the line just someone to keep my house clean, fix my meals, and go away. And then the rest of the song is about him. Does he miss Carrie Snodgrass? He wants to see her. When will he see her again? And there's just this back and forth, and I think it just—it's not clear. Do you think it's a straight? That really is a straight. I mean, is it what? He, is yeah. it what he's? I don't know. Saying that, it is, or that is line it? Is just a throw. But this, this, I don't know. And then the song itself, I don't like. The I never had. Is, that has always stuck out like it's worked on to me. All the real orchestral stuff. Yeah. Which, I'm like, ah, nice try, but um, I, that doesn't work for me. It doesn't I, either. I have never really sat down and listened to Harvest and just said, wow, as a record, I love Harvest. I love the record. I love I, songs I, off of Harvest. Like, I but would take, there's like, yeah, they, they could have edited that one down. But, um, and while we're even in the, in the Neil Young orbit, um, and it's a great song, the instrumentation's amazing, but Stephen Stills, Love the One You're With, talk about 70s, you know, and I can still remember, like, you know, being in the car, like, you know, with my yeah. mom and hearing that yeah. song. And, like, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Like, what yeah. a great, that's a good message. But this, this line, though, is just, like, bad poetry. Like, uh, well, there's a rose in the fisted glove. And the eagle flies with the dove. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know. You know what? A rose in the fisted glove. I mean, that's just disgusting <laughs> imagery there. I don't know. Uh, and then the best one, uh, a couple stanzas later, there's a girl right next to you, and she's waiting for something to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I like that. Come on, That man. goes, I think, uh, <laughs> that could have been used in the recent campaign, I think. I'm glad that you, I am glad that you cleared that up for me, because I have always just goes, <laughs> <laughs> and the e- oh, I always had that part, but I would just I would just kind of go. And I think I mean the studio version is one thing, but like if I I don't really want to ever hear Stephen Stills live, um, but I just don't even want to try to hear him <laughs> screeching to try to hit those those notes. But um, oh, anyway, so I kind of I went deep in seventies, but uh, I don't know. I mean. That's the thing, you know, if you're trying to um, be, a, you know, in some ways, your own gatekeeper, I mean, you're bound, you're human, you know, there's a, there's a production schedule, especially with music, you know, and bands, and you realize, like, they run out of time, and that's how some of the stuff must get out there. Is that how the rose ends up in the fisted glove? I don't know, I'm <laughs> sure he was... Again, is there some reference we're missing there? I don't know. Well, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk with you about bad song lyrics is because I was riding along the other day and I and, and mixed emotions was on and it just that line always sticks out for me and ruins doesn't ruin it because I just I love the song. Yeah. But that's what I'm left with at the end of it. I'm thinking how how did that in how how did that stay in there? Well, do you remember some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary about them? I didn't of, see that. Oh, it's fantastic. Really? Even if you, it has nothing to do with whether you like their music or not. Okay. So it's detailing them. They brought in a consultant slash therapist, and it's all filmed, like him trying to get them to communicate, and uh, and there's a lot of band dynamics, and they're they're holed up. I think in, at Presidio. Really? Yeah. And okay, I got to see this. trying to make this record, and they all have, like, legal pads out, and they literally are just, like, rhyming 
like the most inane kind of lyrics. No. Oh, it just like you should not show how the sausage is made. No. It really is. Uh, Dave Mustaine, who was you know originally in the band and then went on to Megadeth, yeah. he's like crying in the movie. They kicked him out. They didn't, you know, it just it's like it, I'm sure it was helpful for them. They should never have put that out into the public. No, because he signed a release, and of course he's like, please don't put that out. And they're like, oh, we're putting it out. Oh no, it just is brutal. But anyway, so we we talked about some of this on the long. The long and winding road. Long and winding road to and from trip. Lexington. The deep dive, the brain fuzz deep dive. Well, this was, you know, again, this was Nashville with a few yeah. detours and then a fabulous trip from uh, Nashville to, to Lexington, part part duh, mm-hmm. of the, uh, the trip. The sojourn. So episode seven includes our discussion with Stuart at... Around a table at an Airbnb. In a haunted house. In what? We don't know that it was. There's really no. There's just really no. And when I went back to listen to the recordings, I got no. Oh, you thought you'd hear like I a thought voice maybe, or something? You know, or, just, it would, or it would wipe clean the entire silence. <laughs> yeah, the whole. Right. Just with a, a, a creepy little laugh. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought that there would be. Um, you know, you know how it is when you watch those ghost, uh, ghost traveler, ghost adventurer shows. You know, and then there's always that. <laughs> and then we caught this bit, right? Guilty. I Guilty. haven't noticed anything in any image. Although I didn't take many, and we weren't in that place long enough. But um, that would have been great if I would have caught some kind of paranormal, yeah, activity. Uh, if anything, I probably gave the ghost a cold. Maybe the cold maybe ran him off. Or her. I don't know what happened. Yeah. You were you you really uh, from a health standpoint. You just oh, I, I went down hard, quick, very quickly within about uh, I'd say twenty four hours. You know, a forced march outside, no food, like all day. That'll do it. it just wore me down. Yeah, but it was, it was a, worth it. Worth it. It was a fantastic discussion we had, and I, you know, I'm always amazed at Stuart's ability to take a topic and then you have a new way of seeing something that you might have just that's something missed altogether i obviously struggle with but i think he is able to outline and reframe yes and redirect i mean he expertly yes um and i've thought about that since since our uh, because we kind of were getting into those dynamics in the last episode, you know, like what makes a great interview uh, or even discussion. He is one of the curators featured in the book Pigeons on the Grass, Alas, Contemporary Curators Talk About the Field. And you've read, you've read this book. Your I, thoughts. I liked the book. I didn't like the format. I didn't like the, the way they set up the interviews. It was a little... It's kind of a conceit there, but um, there was definitely some good content. Uh, it, it also, I mean, it definitely a very like rarefied look into a world that, I mean, we've seen how many shows and museums and galleries, and like how many curators have heard talk or that I know, and still like there a lot of that language in there and concepts was like a little above me. You know, I'm kind of thinking, who are you making these shows for? That's that's right. That, you know, I, and that's, again, I kind of go back to, I feel 
somewhat, somewhat educated and traveled and conversant and thinking like, wow, like who's, who's reading this book? Who is the audience? Um, I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but uh, what were your thoughts? And, and this is a copy that has uh, suffered like, a little water damage. Water damage like and dog ears. Every other page is dog-eared, and there are some uh, bookmarks and some highlighting, which I can't see. I didn't hide. No, 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 no. Oh, those, that, are, the, that, those are the questions that, I thought you had. I did not I highlight. That, that was a lavender no. highlighter in there. No, no, I wouldn't use lavender anyway. Um, so you've read that now twice? No. Well, I, I perused it. Oh, you dipped in. I dipped in. I did uh, read the whole book. Uh, see, I, I did read cover to cover, and then I returned and perused. And, gotcha. I, and I walk away with much the same conclusion that you have, and that is, who are you doing shows? Who are you doing these shows for? Each other? But I think that that's a problem in in the field anyway, is, is when the public, what, how is this relevant but on one hand, we always want to talk about bringing more people in, and we want people to engage with the work, and we want to engage with each other. Right. But at the same time, how do you do that when you're only putting work together for a small niche group of people that well, are even going to care? My question is, and I try to be open to this because I always think of, like, you know, pay attention to stuff that you don't understand or don't like initially. Um, because, I mean, on one hand, I know you're not saying this, but it's either like, okay, then you get greatest hits shows, you get, right. you get cars, right. you get yeah. artifacts, you get yeah. like a natural history type, which is interesting sometimes. Sure. But, um, and again, it depends on the institution, too. I realize there can be some vanguard cutting edge where it's like serious, serious uh, academic, edu- intellectual type uh, but if that's not happening, does that, like if you have these really heady type exhibitions, does that help maybe raise the, the bar or the floor in any way? Like I have to say, like some of these things I go to that I might not necessarily know what the hell's going on, I'm probably still better off having seen it. Right. And then is it like a, two years down the road I'm reading something or I'm seeing something and you're like, oh, that was that. So, I mean, I, I do think there's kind of like they, they can be gateway drugs. I always like to think sure. of that. But there's times where I'm just, in, you know, you're tired and you're thinking, what the hell is this? Um, David Humphrey had a hilarious bit about that. He was talking about video art. And he said, like, really? Like, you want to make me stand here for 10 minutes on right. this art floor? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it? That's the art? Like, yeah. and, there, and nothing happens? <laughs> oh, that's why it's art. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I kind of got a good chuckle out of that, but there are some um, there are some good passages in here. There's some and, good people uh, in there. Yeah, too. I mean, Stewart's in there, and then our uh, well, we'll be coming back to this. Yes, we, we will. Yeah, in a future episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, but. Connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at BrainFuzzPodcast.com. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag BrainFuzzPodcast. Now, go be discursive.